What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of the Struggle to Strength podcast, your source for real-life application on how to turn your struggles into strengths in all things mind, muscle, and money. I am your host, Josh Levine, and I am joined here by my longtime friend and my co-host, Travis Hatch. And today, we understand that our world is busier and more crowded than ever. So we have to figure out how is it that some people are able to stand out, build platforms, and be successful in a market that can be pretty saturated and provide us with new adversities that we have to face and overcome every day. Personally, I know it can be hard to juggle all of the aspects of business and life and be successful in so many avenues that we want to be. So if you'll feel like it is too, then this is a perfect episode for you where we have Daryl Lovegrove joining us today. He's the author of the book, Why Haven't I Heard of You, as well as co-creator of The Global Phenomenon performance, The Three Waiters, and founder of one of Australia's most successful entertainment companies. Daryl has figured out all of the hard work through a lifetime of experience, and he's here today to teach us how to stand out from the crowd and how to stay ahead during tough times by pivoting. So before we get into it, we ask that if you love this episode, please scroll down to the bottom of this page and give us five stars on Apple or a follow on Spotify. Share us on your socials. You can find me at Josh Levine Fitness and Travis at Travis Hawks Media. That's it. So get ready to enjoy some great storytelling and some valuable life lessons from our guest, Daryl Lovegrove. All right. So to get started, uh, you know, obviously Travis has, has clued me in on, you know, the three waiters and Love Grove Entertainment and uh, the book that you've written. Why haven't I heard of you? Which that one really jumped out at me as a as an entrepreneur who's in a pretty crowded space. Uh, I'm very interested to learn more about that. But I'd love to give you the opportunity, Daryl, to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you, how you've gotten to where you are today. And then uh, we'll kind of dive in and get learning. All right. Well, firstly, um, hi, everyone, and thanks for, for joining me here today. Um, great to be with uh, the boys and doing it. Um, look, um, I've, I've been really lucky. Gosh, I'm one of lucky. I consider myself like many yourself, I suppose, as well, you know, entrepreneurs who have been able to um, put your toe into the water and find um, some incredible, get some incredible life experience as a result. Um, I'm, I guess my story is, is I grew up in New, New Zealand um, as a young kid um, and went to Australia to live in when I was 22 years old. Um, I was lucky enough to get into Les Miserables, the, the, you know, the, the famous musical. And at the time, it was the, the big show in Australia. It was the original Sydney cast that just completed their first year. And I was one of the people who replaced cast members who were leaving that show. Um, but before that, but my first six, six years of my life was in Malawi, in 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 uh, Central Eastern Africa, um, where where Dad was lecturing law, and um, also Geneva, Switzerland, where Dad went and worked for the UN Law Office. And and uh, so I had a great, unbelievable first six years of my life, um, immersing myself and with with the um, Malawians. Um, I was this white-headed kid who my, I would be, you know, uh, taken down to the local village for shopping and they'd all just want to come and touch me. I was, you know, this white, white head, just so white, whiter than Boris Johnson's head, you know. And um, and and so I thought I was a little bit of a prince, apparently. I don't know why. But, uh, and anyway, and then, I, then going to Geneva with the European, a whole kind of kid of a UN um, employee, was with all that going on, it was learning to speak a little bit of French. And then when mum and dad split up, um, we came back to New Zealand with my brother who was born in Geneva. 
and um, grew up in New Zealand, which uh, one of the great places of the world, obviously, to grow up. And uh, um, so I had a very kind of privileged life like that. Um, but I was destined, I thought, to be a pop star. And I, all my life through, through school, I was a bit odd. I was the one sort of running around doing Kate Bush impersonations and, um, and Robert Plant and, and trying to be, you know, the next kind of Ian Gillen rock singer in the school. And, and I wanted to be on the theatre and, and um, one of the things I talk about, um, which is so, uh, it's in a common story with a lot of people I meet on their entrepreneurial story and their journeys, is we all hit those times of life which change the paradigm for us, don't we? My big experience where I, I really woke up and found what was possible in life, what, which gave me permission to do what I really kind of had no idea about but started to realise was simply walking into a cinema in 1974, I think it was, and seeing a movie that had just come out called Jesus Christ Superstar. And it was the last movie I wanted to see. My, my auntie dragged me along to it, said, shut up, you know, I don't care if you don't want to see this movie, you're gonna sit there and be quiet because I want to see it. And, and I, I remember sitting there going, oh, I'd rather see a Clint Eastwood cowboy and Western movie, you know, I'm, it's 1974 for goodness sake. And anyway, this movie unraveled itself to me and these people were screaming at each other in rock music. And the, the, the stakeholders and, and the intenseness of what was the whole Jesus and Judas thing. And, oh, my God, it blew my mind. And the violence of the whipping and the crucifixion. I came out of it a very shocked seven-year-old boy from the intensity of the movie. But I also realized I had no idea that that's what you could do when you grew up you could be an actor or a singer like that and sing to your heart's content and scream and oh let it all out and i've just um that shaped my life it always and it always has and um so I, from then on i realized like I, I can be a performer and i want to be a performer um i was always was relatively academic in school did all that stuff but i, I really wanted to um you know live that world of of, of being in the arts and so I was, I was being, I've been very lucky, and that's exactly what I've done. So I've been able to live that dream. But, and, and it involved um, cutting a long story short, you know, getting into musical theatre, Les Miserables, um, chess, and um, did a whole lot of other plays and stuff in Sydney, Australia, and New Zealand. Um, and in, even in the mid 90s, was lucky enough to play Jesus in a New Zealand Australian tour of Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, so I actually got to play the big guy um, uh, in the end. And, uh, but then about the late 90s, my second big uh, coming to a fork in the road moment happened where I could have gone either way. And that was a mate of mine and I accidentally put together this show for what we call the corporate entertainment market. So it's what you guys call, uh, some of you guys call industrials. It's basically, you know, awards nights, presentation nights, corporate e events, uh, charity nights, fundraisers, even wedding uh, wedding receptions. People, where, events where people get together and have a three-course meal and there might be some speeches and awards and that kind of thing. And um, we put together the show specifically for that market where we dressed up three opera singers as the waiters and we would walk around hoaxing. One, one's pretending to be an Italian. How's everything tonight? My stuff doing a good job for you? Bravo, please enjoy. And then a Frenchman would walk around, oh, bonsoir, madame, monsieur. Uh, I hope everyone is enjoying the meal tonight. Uh, I have selected the Chardonnay, which goes very well with the fish, and uh, the Cabernet go very well with the beef, and um, I hope you enjoy. Merci. And he would walk away, and people thinking, oh, this 
European white is here. How fabulous, you know, they're pretty cool. And then when the, the mains got, what you guys call the entrees, entrees go down, we call the main meals. Um, they take over with a very funny interactive three tenors style show. Now, a lot of your listeners, some of you will know who the three tenors were and others now it's, it's, it's kind of kind of a bygone era. Uh, the, the three tenors were the biggest thing in the nineties. They were selling more tickets than the Rolling Stones were. As the three of the greatest opera singers in the world, Luciano Pavarotti, Jose Carreras, uh, and Placido Domingo. They, were, they came together in the uh, 92 World Cup. Um, the eve of it exploded and everyone went, oh my God, this is going to be so big. And they, they ended up touring the world two or three times during the 90s. And that was the basis. That was our inspiration for the three waiters, the three tenors. If there was no three tenors, there wouldn't be any three waiters. And anyway, that idea back in the late 90s, it exploded for us in a way that we just simply weren't expecting. We thought one or two shows a month would be nice. Very soon, within months, we were doing four or five a week. And all of a sudden, the event planners all over Australia wanted us, and the phones were ringing, and this was going all mental. It was like, wow, you know, and every show we'd get three three out of it. And, and people going, oh, my God, I saw you last night. Are oh, we doing an event in three months' time? Can you please do it? Oh, we'll just do exactly what you did last night. It just blew our minds and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we had to get savvy and become businessmen because Mark and I, Mark was a social photographer for a um, one of the major newspapers here, and I, I was an actor. So um, this thing was becoming really big, really fast. And all of a sudden, we had to become, rather than sort of artistic people, we had to become businessmen. We had to know, well, how do we deal with this demand for a product that we've put together as a bit of a joke? <laughs> and, uh, and, and the thing got so big so fast um, that we started to, you know, we employed our first employee and and we had to get another one and, and we had to do all the kind of, we had to hire people and we'd never done anything like that before, you know, sort of thing. Uh, and then we had to maintain all of a sudden we realised this thing's big. It's, it's, we need more than just five or six in the squad. We now need 12 in the squad because we're doing two or three sometimes in one night. We can actually put two or three teams. We can scale this thing, you know. And, and you know, we've got two, two teams flying to Melbourne today and one flying up to Singapore and one flying to, you know, God, we can do five teams. We better get some more. And so it got the 1998, 99, 2000 were just ex exponential years for us and it, it exploded. And we, we re I realised 1999, 2000 that this was something that had a, was a bit special. There's something about it. It's like wildfire. And everyone told us in the events industry, well, enjoy it while it lasts because you, you've become really big, really fast, which means you're going to end really fast. You can, you're going to be, the, you're the flavor of the month by far, but flavor of the months usually mean by next month that someone else. So enjoy it while it lasts. And we, we believed it. We said, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. It's a finite group of, you know, a finite amount of events which are on. And so, and uh, we believed it, but it just kept going on and on and on. And, and, um, 2000, we real, uh, 1999, we realized, hey, why don't we take this to the world? Because we've got, we catched up now, we've got some finance, we've got some capital. Surely this will work really well in the UK and in the United States. I mean, they, they know there are, uh, there's, there's people there who know their stuff and they'll appreciate the three tennis thing. So we took it to the UK in 2000 and we were very lucky. We got some really big, um, um, events uh, that we offered ourselves to and which were very good at spreading the word very fast to the people who mattered, the decision makers of, of England. And we, I think we arrived there like um, August, October, and by Easter the following year, we were, we were motoring. It was one of those incredible years where 
we realized this thing is a world beater. We, we, this is a world beater. It, it, it doesn't matter where you perform this. We performed in front of Asian audiences by then who just love it. And they get up in the chairs and we have to tell them to sit down because it's ruining the whole kind of vibe. But they get these photos out of these three opera singers, this wild show, which is so funny. And they've all been fooled and they've loved being fooled and hoaxed and the whole thing. And um, it was just a, a wild thing. And then we took it to the States in 2001. And the 2001 was a very kind of different story to Australia and the UK because you guys in the United States as opposed to England and Australia, in those days, we, we didn't really still have cable TV the way that you guys did. And so therefore, the three tennis was massive in Australia and massive in the UK, but not so massive in America. And, and I remember getting a bit, feeling a bit like, oh, bloody American, what's wrong with them? They, they don't mm -hmm. kind of get the idea of the three, you know, three. And I realized, I was watching TV one night, and I went, I just flick channel, 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 channel. The reason is they've got so much choice. Even back in 1992, they had cable uh, in, in the 90s, you know, a few years ago. But no wonder they never saw the story of the uh, firstly that soccer is not your major game. So the World Cup of 92 and, and, and subsequent things was not a really a big deal. And, and secondly, um, you know, you, you've got so much to choose from that to catch a new story which talked about that phenomenon would have been very unlikely for most people. And also, you're not really known as a country which really embraces opera. So, so um, there's throw all some, some, some shootouts in there, some gunfights. Yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys, and thank God, are the instigators of rock and roll and, 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 and everything else in country and Western music. And, and you, you've got some, you, you know, you're pioneers in many assets, just not opera. And, and you're not massive, massive fans of opera either. It's kind of something, oh, that's a bit over there, weird uh, kind of thing. Um, a little bit like Australia, except we did know about the three tenors. And um, and so it was a hard road. And America's so big, you've got three Sydneys and five Brisbane's and 10 Melbournes. And so it's hard to make a, an impact in America, which gets that ripple effect as you do in Australia and the UK. So that was our big challenge. But we so we, we opened in March of 2001 and we were going, we were starting to get some traction by August, September. But then of course, 9-11 happened. We were six months into it and we were just starting to get the train out of that station and um and it happened and and of course the next two or three months the whole events industry just just was in enormous trouble and i talk about in my book you mentioned my book uh, before josh um uh that um with the american experience um Coping with something like that, but I talk about it in my book. Um, I remember being in, in um, Los Angeles and San, Santa Monica's restaurant there called Shutters on the Beach. And we were having our Christmas, um, North, uh, sub, uh, Southern, Southern California chapter Christmas dinner. And the Southern California chapter of, of the um, um, International Special Events Society, you know, is full of, was full of Hollywood event planners. Um, you know, so I'm in a room full of people who put on events for the big Hollywood parties and everything like that. And that's that I was a member of that association. And there's our president going up on in December, early December, only two months after the, 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 that terrible day. And he's crying. He's he's trying to cheer us up. And we're all just sitting there going, what the hell are we going to do? The events industry has been shattered because no one wanted to fly. Remember those days? 2001, no one wanted to fly. No one wanted to be seen to be put, putting money into big events and enjoying themselves when the whole country is shattered by this experience. And he was weeping, literally. You could see the tears in his eyes. He said, the phones are not ringing people. He was slapping his wrist down on the thing. And 
what are we gonna, how are we gonna do? And that was our new challenge for me, especially was what are we gonna do now? Australia's going gangbusters, UK's going gangbusters. The United States, who I really wanted to work, wasn't. We'd had a brick wall. And from then on, it was a story of just going back to the basics, phone calls every day, just trying to just hang in there, hang in there, hang in there. It, all these slings and arrows are being given us. We can take it. We can take it. It's going to be a long journey, not a short one, not even a medium one. It's going to be a long journey, but we'll get there. And I talk in my book how um, it was a tale of two cities, really. UK and the, and the Australia just kept on going for, you know, right up until the, the, the global financial crisis of 2009. Um, but all the way from 2001 to 2009 was a story of, of not exponential growth in the United States, but gradual. And by the time we got to the global financial crisis, we were doing one a day in the United States, which was really exciting to me. So that, that was when I sold out in 2009. And I remember selling up thinking, I managed, managed to get the United States to one a day, which is incredibly, incredibly good in its right. I mean, one a week is a fantastic result. One a day is awesome for, for what we do, for the market we do. I mean, there's the three waiters and then there's daylight and then there's the next thing. The three waiters did, to date have done 14,000 shows. It's just a 23-minute show in an event or, you know, sit down dinner. Um, 14,000 times it's been performed and it's been seen in 90 countries. That's nine zero. Um, most of the world celebrities, presidents, prime ministers, they've all seen it at some kind of event. And royal families were done, every one of them, all that kind of thing. So it's a phenomenon. It's a true phenomenon. And I try to capture that, um, the story of it in my book. And um, and all the lessons from uh, that incredible twelve years I had with them, and since then too, my story since then uh, is um, developing my own entertainment company, Love Grove Entertainment, here in Australia, and I've got about nine or ten acts, and they've got fantastic stories as well. So that's hopefully in a nutshell, kind of um, what what I do. I'm I'm, a, I'm an entertainment entrepreneur. I, I produce acts for the corporate events world, the events industry. And, um, and I have uh, good fun doing it. <laughs> it. It sounds like it. And it's, it's cool to hear, you know, I think a lot of us have sort of found a passion and we've eventually found ourselves helping others with that passion. So it sounds like for you, what started as a passion, an artistic way to express yourself kind of turned into a point where you're like, oh, shoot, we have responsibility now because this is a business. Yeah, and absolutely. that can be a challenging transition. So for me, uh, and, and in, in my industry as, as a health and fitness coach, I think a lot of us, we, we, we go off and we start, we start our coaching business and we say, this is it. I'm an entrepreneur. And I think eventually there's a point where we actually turn into more of a businessman, a business person, and we're actually running a business. And we, and I remember thinking this, Oh, I thought I was an entrepreneur. I wasn't an entrepreneur before. I don't even think I'm an entrepreneur yet now. There is a lot more levels to get to before I am truly an entrepreneur. So mm. what was that like for you in turning your passion into now having to run it as a business? Did you lose passion for it at all? Did it help grow that passion? What struggles did you face along the way? Because I yep. think that's what most people are going to run into when they do oh. something like this. It is massive. If you told me, no, I still would have done it. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to say, if you told me, you know, the the, the brick walls that we're going to hit, and and the you know the the soft the ball, what, what's what's that softball phrase that the hard balls which are going to hit you in the head? Um, the the the, the curve balls. Oh yeah, the, and all that kind of. 
Oh my God. Um, and look, it, it is a world of lost sleep and stress and tension and everything that goes with it because you have to bring your people with you along the journey. And that's not always easy. Everyone's got, everyone's got their own lives, their own interests, their own wants and, and, and needs. And they not, might not always subscribe to your uh, journey, your passion. But you want to bring them on because you want to bring the best people with you. So you've got to keep them incentivized and you've got to keep them um, understanding where you're going with it. And, you know, you have to be able to listen to them as well because sometimes they've got really good advice. Uh, along the way as well. So you've got to learn well, which, which bits of advice do I take and who, who do I kind of learn from to kind of go, maybe yeah, not so much that he's kind of, or she, it's not kind of, man, it's not quite on my my um, level and, and therefore probably got to hold me back a bit. But this person's interesting. Yeah, what they've said about that, I should probably listen more to more of that. There's all that going on. There's books to read. Um, I, I, I got, an, I realized by two or three years into it that I realized, God, I am a businessman. I'm not an actor anymore. I, I, I had to stop. I had to not have an agent anymore. I had to make a conscious decision. We were two years into it. I can't be an actor anymore. If the three buddies is going to go off, it needs my undivided attention. And same with Mark. Mark had to resign from, um, the newspaper and we, we threw ourselves into this and this is all we did now. And that was a, a huge thing for us because we're both alpha males and, Mark and I were very, very passionate um, individuals, um, but we also kind of, uh, the, the longer it went, we wanted the same results, but we started to have, unfortunately, as anybody who's in any business partnership knows, it, it's a marriage. If, you're, if you've got business partners, you're married to them. And sometimes you both want to go to the same place, but you want to go different ways. You want to go this way, you want to go this way. And if you're both really strong and, and alpha about it, that's tremendously problematic. And Mark and I did have a lot of struggles, um, but uh, ultimately, you know, and, and it did kind of end up being something that I, I realized one of us probably needed to get out and I was the one prepared to do that. Um, but, you know, he's done a great job of carrying the three waiters on and um, I don't begrudge him anything. I mean, absolutely not. Um, it's just a just unfortunate situation where, where we, we both had different ways of going to the same place. Um, so there's all that. There, there's, um, you know, tension. You're putting capital into something that can end up going, you know, bust up and you're, you're going to have nothing to show for it except lots of tears and frustration and 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 anger and maybe and anxiety and um, but there's also the dream that this thing just might work. And when it does work, it, it gives you the freedom of choices. It gives you options of, of making choices and, and in, a world, in a life that you hadn't maybe experienced before. So obviously the pluses are massive, but you've got to understand along the way, you're going to have different problems that you haven't experienced before. You are a leader of people and they want you to lead, but they, they want to be led well. And they'll tell you, if they're concerned about where you're leading them, you know, this is where your employees, your people who you want to be on your side and follow you on, on this, this, this journey. Mm -hmm. So and there's all that. There's the family. You've got to take care of your family because, gosh, I, I was, got, I was um, married in 2000 when the whole thing was starting to explode and we were starting to have children. Um, my oldest was born in um, late 2000 and the second one was 2004. So, that was in the that was in the height of its of its international growth, global growth, and and the global brand awareness. So I was often away, and that causes strain and stress with your partner. You're not at home anymore. You're not being a dad. It's one of the things you signed up for. 
Um, you're not being a great husband because there are other things that you really do have to pay attention to. You know, you have to sit down and have an understanding with spouse and say, babe, you know, I, um, I would love to spend more time with you, but if, if you if you know you if you believe what I'm doing, you know, you can see that if I can just you can just give me a bit more more space and time to also devote myself, not just as a husband and a father, but also this business person who needs to be away from, from large periods sometimes, it's going to be good for our family in the long run. And that that's variably um medium term did what happened. Uh, um, and so um, you know, there's all that kind of stuff that this real problems come, but you know, there's, there's all that, the double side. Are you ready for the, the really good thing? Right. If you're ready for the good thing, you've got to be ready for a whole bunch of, um, other stuff that you weren't quite um, probably thinking about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and as Are you know, you, you know, start, starting the fitness thing. Oh my gosh. I know people who own gyms here in Australia and that's, that's a stressful job. That one, you've got to get the membership in, you've got to keep them there. You've got to retain them. I know that world, buddy. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I know I'm, it's a, it's a real, real tough one. So what were the other questions you were asking there? Um, I, well, I think actually Travis had, had yeah. something that he, he wanted to run by I you. Question. I do have a few that I, I'd like to get into, but Travis, go ahead. I have a question. Um, you touched on like so many different things that I think people are terrified of. Um, but just one that, that stuck out to me, I was thinking about the other day. Do you think when you were going through it, were you more afraid of it failing or of it being super successful? Like what scared, what scared you more? We didn't have time to think of it failing because it was just such a great story like that. I was scared of United States failing. There were three parts to our business in the end. It was Australia, UK, and the United States. Australia was going gangbusters, wouldn't stop. And it was just one of those things you just didn't think about it. You didn't want to think about it because it just was working. So therefore, don't interfere. Don't worry about it. Just let it enjoy the ride. Same with the UK. You know, the United States was constantly on my mind. I don't want this to fail. This needs to work in the United States. Yes, I understand why it's so different to the UK and Australia. But I just wanted it to work because I wanted, I love, I love traveling around the States. I love, I wanted, I don't know, it was an ego thing. I wanted to be the biggest show in the United, corporate show in the United States. That was a cool thing. You know, I can tell people I've got the biggest show in the US, you know. And so um, I was driven to a fear of failure in the US branch. Yes, I was. Um, I was, was I scared about it becoming super successful? No, because it was, we're having so much fun. I don't think you can get scared about having too much fun. Can you? Maybe you can. <laughs> I've, I've, I just mentioned it because um, I've never been, I've never even thought of that being a fear, but I've actually talked to like a number of people starting out in their entrepreneurial journey who are afraid of, of the success. And I'd never even thought of that at all. Like, I, and I'm just, it's just something that interests me. Like, you know, and I, I think that that's maybe a sign that you're like not going to make it. <laughs> if you're Almost more wonder, afraid of being successful, I feel I'll, like you're probably I'll, I'll, not going to make it. <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, I have a fear of failure at the moment right now with my own company, Love Grove Entertainment here in Australia, because I've, I sold out of the three waiters back in 2009. That's 12 years ago. And I sold out in the midst of the mayhem of the global financial crisis, Lehman Brothers collapsed when I was negotiating with the people who were going to buy, buy me out. Um, and everything, all those months that happened up Lehman Brothers, and we saw our global figures and three waiters just go really fast. It wasn't due to lack of um, popularity of the show. It was because people just weren't going to put events on in the following 12 months. Mm -hmm. And um, and, and, and and here I am trying to say, oh, here I'm trying to sell something which has value, and the value is clearly 
diminishing every day because of the, the forward 12 months are going to be drastically different to the 12 months previous. And so um, uh, there, there's all that. But now with a global financial crisis, that massively changed the world's events industry all over the world. It's never recovered, I don't think, to half of what it was. Um, wow. And um, now we've got, we've had COVID, which has completely and utterly smashed the events industry in ways that, no, oh my God, you know, it's so bad. And so therefore, what is the events industry anymore? It's it's not an industry you can make a lot of money in anymore. It's it's a cottage industry. It, it's something that you can you can make a living by, but no one's no one's making any big money anymore. You know, um, mm. there, there's still the players there fighting like crazy for the scraps that are there. Um, you know, all the big event company, all the big um, sound companies. You know, they turn up and, and they've got all the gear and everything. But, but there's five or six or seven or eight. Others in Sydney, just as big, just as viable. And they're, they're, they're fighting, saying, no, pick me, no, pick me to do your event. No, pick me to do your event. And all the event planners have got all this richness of choices to choose from. And, and my, and my I, of course, I, I supply entertainment acts. And I've got fabulous competition here. Uh, people who are starved and really want to get back on stage again. And so we're fighting it out like crazy. Social media advertising, you know, emails, uh, we're saying, hey, we're back, we're back, and we're better than ever, and la la la. And you know, um, I I am scared that my industry, which has been so kind to me, especially in the days of the three waiters, um, it's just not even a fragment of really what it was. Well, it is. It's a fragment of what it was, and therefore, I never. I'm I'm. I've already know. I've already come to accept that it's just simply not going to be ever like that again. Um, even if I was to uh, uh, create a show which is popular. It just is profound. It had as much as a value as the three waiters. It is funny and is exciting and is just transformational. Um, this isn't. It really still wouldn't take off very much because it just the market isn't there for something to to catch fire and spread like wildfire. It was in the late nineties. The three waiters was the perfect show, but at a time at a perfect timing. So if the three waiters came along today. It just—it would just be an ordinary. Uh, uh, it would still go to the top of the of a very small pile. It would just be, you know, that it would be very well received as always. But it wouldn't grow um, to scale. It wouldn't, wouldn't grow massively like wildfire, a huge ripple effect. Because it's just not the market's not there to support that, you know. Um, so that's my fear: is that um, am I am I putting all this in twice as three much as times of energy than I used to do in the days of three waiters, and having a lot more product to sell? But in a market that is so diminished, that mm. I might, I might even do I even care about it that much anymore? So I do look at other things. I, I look, and of course now my my life's very different. I speak at conferences now. I don't just put what things I speak at conferences. I tell the story. I MC a lot of shows. So I've had to pivot. I've had to reinvent, reinvent very much. And reinvention is one of the major things in my book. Mm. Um, we've all, so many people now realize, hey. It's different to three years ago. The market's changed. Expectations have changed. Needs and wants have changed. Uh, demand for goods and services have changed. Maybe I need to reinvent myself. Is the goods and services that I provide still in demand? Um, is the way that they're received still the same? Am I going to get some reception um, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the, the buyer's end? Um, or are they going to go, yeah, yeah, give me the product and everything, but I uh, kind of like, I feel differently about it now. There's all of that. We've got to, we've got to take into consideration. COVID's changed everything. And, 
And that's going to be our great challenge is that maybe we actually need to go back and reinvent who we are. Um, and and I, I know I do. I'm, and the, ever since the GFC and I developed my new, my new company, I realized I can't just be this person hidden behind this big brand. I've actually got to go out now and say, I'm Daryl Lovegrove. And that was a hard thing to do because I, I, I'm fine putting my name up in lights in a show because I'm hiding behind a character. I'm Jesus or Marius or I'm you know, one of these big characters in a show starring Daryl Lovegrove. That's fine. But put me up on Daryl Lovegrove itself. And I'm like, whoa, hang on. I'm a bit nervous about that. What? I, I'm just called, I'm, you know, and, and so I had to go and learn to go out and actually put my name up and, and say, think about Daryl Lovegrove as your next conference speaker. Think about Daryl Lovegrove as your next master of ceremonies. Um, um, hey, I've wrote a book, you know, uh, he's an author kind of thing. So it's so all of a sudden see my name everywhere. I was a bit, ooh, I was a bit um, reticent about that. It just wasn't, I just didn't feel comfortable at the time doing it, but I knew I had to do it. And um, I think a and, lot of people are afraid of like personal branding, yeah. you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's kind yeah, of it nerve wracking. It is nerve wracking. Mm -hmm. And and you, you feel so self-conscious about it and you feel like, you know, God, probably my best mate's probably going, you know, you, you're full of yourself putting a name everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, yeah, and and, and one or two of them do feel like that. One of the, <laughs> you find out one or two of them do actually feel like that. But then there's the ones who you learn after a while who go, hey, I like what you're doing. Good stuff. You should have done that. You're a great ma master of ceremonies. You, you know, those are better one, friends. You know, yeah. yeah. Those are your real friends, you know. And, and, yeah. and you know, and I just saw you, I um, just heard someone rave about you. They saw you at a conference the other day. You're fantastic, mate. Well, good on you. You know, how can I help? Um, so th there's there's that as well. And so that that's what I I guess makes you move on in that world of, of where you're thinking, oh, am I doing the right thing? You know, you realize, mm -hmm. yeah, I am doing the right thing. People have got more of a, a macro vision of the whole thing, uh, can see what you're doing, and they kind of go, you're, I think you're on the right track. That's a good thing you're doing. Mm -hmm. And that helps a lot. I think what's what's been interesting is to hear your story, hear about how you've you've pivoted when you got into the US and you understood that the market was different. You had to pivot your approach. You had to change the way that you're actually approaching the growth of the business. Then uh, obviously we had a financial crisis and you had to pivot yourself again. And now of course, COVID, you had to pivot yourself again. It's almost as if being able to pivot effectively is a important skill to have as an entrepreneur. So you've been talking a little bit about how to see when you need to pivot. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes there's a financial crisis. Sometimes there's a, a pandemic. Sometimes it's not so obvious. And like you said here, maybe your marketing just isn't hitting. Maybe there's another opportunity that you would be more, that would suit you better in your personality and where you are in your life. So there's a lot of ways that we can see that we need to pivot. The, the next question is like, how do you stay ahead of that? identify it, think logically, not emotionally, and learn new skills while you're also trying to do what you're doing? The answer to that is that you don't know that. You just have to have a go. <laughs> I love you that. Don't know. I, 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 you know, I, I, um, I accidentally got into emceeing to Master of Ceremonies. I got a call one night from one of my clients and they said, Daz, um, my, my, my Master of Ceremonies has just pulled out of an event next week. And, uh, you know, it's going to be, you know, uh, 500 people in a room. It's a big awards night. And they had to, you know, it's a big night for them, but they pulled out. And, I can't, and I'm thinking of you, I just saw you, you know, I, I know you really well. I, you've got a big personality and, and can you perform as well? You know, do it. And plus do 10, 15 minutes, you know, the big opera of musical theatre numbers. And I sat there and I went, oh, God, MC, I've never done that before. Of course, I've stood at the back of the room and seen MCs do their thing. 
but and, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking, oh, I, I could probably do that, but I, I'm so tunnel visioned in, in, in running the, the three waiters or do what I do, I don't even think about maybe I could do that one day. Which I, I look back and now I go, how come I never thought about it? But anyway, um, so I said, yeah, and that's that's one thing the great Richard Branson quote. Um, what is it? You guys know, uh, um, I'm not going to get this word for word, but the idea was that when someone offers you a job and you think you can't do it, just say yes and then learn to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. So someone asked me to be an MC and I'm thinking inside, I'm thinking, but in, but I'm thinking, I, I always go, my mind can't help it. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. You know, kind of. I mean, it's going to be scary as hell, but that's what my life is. I go in front of crowds and I give it everything and and hoping for love to come back because I'm an actor, you know, and we need that. We're so insecure. We love, we need that love and we need that response. And we want, our ego demands it and we love the applause. I realize that I'm born to entertain. That's what my purpose in life is. I'm, my purpose in life is to entertain and educate. And um, and I learned that, learned that a while ago. And so uh, yeah, I'm going to go out and entertain. And as an MC, why not? I haven't done that before. Tick, uh, you know, bucket list tick. Um, and I went, and I, put, of course, I put everything into it. And I was so prepared. I had my jokes. I had the mon opening monologue prepared, and all the whole thing. And it went off beautifully. And I realised, why hadn't I done this before? You know, I gave everything I had, and I loved it so much doing it. It was just a, it's just a form of brilliant entertainment being an MC. And um, you know, I got in touch with all the stakeholders involved and I really said, what do you want me to, what, what's the message you want me to get across? What, what, at the end of the night, how do you want people to feel? What do you want them to do? What are the actions you want them to take? All that kind of stuff. Uh, I wanted to be a provider of that. And so I spent all the time, you know, getting a cracking opening monologue together. And I just said, just relax, be myself. And, and if it doesn't work, you'll know you'll get nasty letters or something. And, you know, you might have to change and not do it again. But it, as a result coming up to me going wow you're a very different mc how entertaining and then you did the you know concert for us and everything um so um a hundred special events later as an mc you know it's a, it's a good thing that i said yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you have to pivot you have, you have to do that kind of stuff what was the original question i've got sidetracked no that was that was exactly it it was like how to oh. stay ahead of it how to learn new skills while still That's doing right. what you're doing and uh, i've got a bit more to add, add to that then um, yeah when in anything, anything we do, that's the first thing is don't automatically go into a default mechanism of no, no, that's not what I do. So therefore, boom. there are times in life where you've got to do that for sure, um, where you really realize there are limits to what you probably can do. And if you want to, if you're being asked to uh, go here and going here means a very big um, change in, in um, areas of of helping out in this area where you need it here. If you really need it here, then don't go here. Because if you go here, this year is going to suffer tremendously. Now, I, going to being an MC, nothing was going to suffer. It was an easy choice for me to make. Nothing here was going to be compromised by that. So that was easy to do. Be, being a conference speaker, not going to jeopardize anything to a certain extent. My business a little bit, there's less hours working on the business to develop a keynote and everything that goes with it. But then it will become part of it. Now, that was adding to this. Eventually, it will be part of a product that I put out. Um, so my, my, my first thing is, is just as long as you're absolutely sure that it's not going to have, um, what's the word? Um, uh, uh, there's, a, there's that ec uh, economic term they use. Um, opportunity um, cost. Opportunity cost. As long as it's an opportunity cost, um, that's not going to be detrimental to you or your staff. Um, then, then you know, be, be open to it. Open yourself up to possibilities. 
And then when you're there, yes, skills. You mentioned skills. Start, you know, sit down and take it seriously. Don't 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 try to wing it, um, as we call it in Australia. Um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna um, work out what's the best way that you can do what you this new thing that you're you've you've bitten into, um, and ask questions and and you know sit down with people and say, listen, treat me as if I'm a five year old child. Um, I'm, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. You have the experience. That's why I've come to you for advice. Help me out here, you know. And um, and the, and I, I, I sit down with a lot of people. Can we have a beer? Can we have a coffee, mate? I've got this problem here. I want to go here. You, you've got more experience. Help me out. I've had lots of conversations over the years with people. I'm not afraid to go out and ask. Um, uh, so there's skills to learn. There's all that kind of stuff, and there's a willingness to do it. And then and then do it. Do it and, and face the, the, the scariness of it. And um, the more you do that and the times, look, you're going to fail. You just are. Ah, you're going to fail sometimes. You're going to really be disappointed by results. You're going to come away going, oh, stunning. They just did not expect that. And then there's other times you're going to come elated by it and, and realize that's why you do it. But that's life. You've, just, you've got to take, the, take the, the bad with the good. And if you're really passionate about it, if you really believe that you're providing goods and good, good or service that really helps people, that really you know, moves the whole thing forward, you're going to win more than you're going to lose. Mm -hmm. I think that last note's the important part, especially when it comes to building a business, a little bit of imposter syndrome tends to kick in. And uh, especially when we were talking about, you know, having those friends that maybe think, oh, you're full of yourself. Maybe they're not, not the, the right friends for you. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. you're, you're not in the right crowd, um, mm -hmm. but you're trying to, you're trying to make it, you're trying to stand out. You're trying to pr produce something yeah. that's helpful to people. And I think that one of the things I was uh, one of the things I was most interested in in hearing from you is I, I liked the concept of your of your book, like why haven't you heard of me? And and the the uh, you know in, improving our ability to stand out. So when you're going into these different markets, especially when you came to the U.S., you said, okay, we got to stand out, we got to do something. So what's your perspective on on this on standing out on making sure that you're known that people are aware of you in a positive way great question and my first thing i think of is technology the constant the one constant is change and it's just going a million miles an hour technology the way we are marketing our goods and services today can be quite different three to four years two to three years time at the fad at the moment, the thing, the TikTok or whatever you're doing now, you've got to, where are your clients' eyeballs? What are they looking at? When we started out, they were in magazines, they were in, um, uh, well, basically industry magazines and um, email as well. So that's what we had to go for. Then things changed. Well, all of a sudden, we had VHS cassette tapes in the late 90s that we were giving to people, promo videos. We had a great promo video and we were get, just getting to people to watch the video. Once they watched that, we got them. They loved it. They say, oh, this is great. I want it. And then went to DVDs, you know, and, and now it's just, of course, people don't even want that. They just want your URL. So it's things that constantly change. You've got to be there ready at whatever the new thing is. Check it out. It could be something you could you could um, use to, to market whatever you're doing. And also help you, the, your systems within your own organization. Technology with your CRM systems, the whole thing. SEO, uh, you've got to be on top of that stuff. I hate technology. You're looking at someone who was so bored at <laughs> games in the 80s and 90s and, and my mates were playing games and I'd sit there and I'd play a little bit and I'd go, I'm sorry, I'm so, so bored. I just, I don't <laughs> want to play Space Invaders. That's me. Uh, you know, the people <laughs> game, it's uh, whatever, you know, but, and I get it. And there's probably a lot of people looking at me going, 
are you stupid? <laughs> yeah, why? It's just so cool. No, I'm so bored of going. Dee, 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 dee. I I'd rather listen to music. I'd rather go out and play sport. I'd rather um uh you know play guitar piano sing. I'd rather just do something where I'm I'm actually with people and and living life because I'm sorry. I think that is a lock yourself away from life kind of activity and you just your brain zones into something which um, whatever you know uh, i'd watch i'd rather watch a movie and and do, do something have of artist artistic gratification or whatever you want to call it now i know i've just lost half my audience and i'm sorry about it <laughs> but stay with me stay with me um, i'm with you no i i agree yeah I'm, i get you're you're not a, so easy. i don't like video games you look at someone who has technology who has massively embraced it because i had to i realized gosh in the mid 2000s, no matter how much I hate all this stuff, I realize if I'm ever going to be in a position where my, I, I can market to my ideal customers, then I better embrace this world of email marketing, of digital marketing, this digital world of digital um, marketing, of, of social media, and really get to know how can I do it, be one of the best at doing it. So that's why I joined business organizations and I joined people, business mentors and people who know, who are totally into the stuff. And I've learned from it. I've got virtual assistants who have helped me out, set the stuff up and, and do it all, you know. Um, so they're doing all the hard work. I just said, just do it. This is what I want. Yeah, yeah don't, don't ask me too many technical questions. I don't even know how to answer those technical questions. Just do it. I just want it to look like this and this. Can you do that? Come on. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> and um, by and large, it's, it, it's worked out. I look at it. I look at the end result and go, yeah, that'll do. Thank you. All right. Now you mm -hmm. put it up kind of thing. Um, so my life's all about promo videos and getting people about, excited about the visual aesthetic of, 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 of the shows that I, I put out there and all that kind of stuff. And I'm, and uh, so th that's what I have to continually do. So my first thing is embrace technology, whether you like it or not, and keep up with all of the new products which are coming out, the shiny products. Work out, could this work with me? Could this help me in my systems? Could, uh, could this help me in my marketing? Could this help me wherever? Um, that's the first thing I, I'd say is embrace technology and go for it. Second one is an old fashioned one, but it's still so prevalent. And I still find people in you know their 40s, 50s, and 60s who still think that get you know and um, 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 throwing themselves into the ocean of eating whatever the hell they want and drinking whatever the hell they want is fine, because it's not. It comes to the point you get to your 40s, your 50s, and 60s where you you're not going you're going to throw away a lot of your life if you haven't looked after yourself. You've got to look after yourself. You've got to, it's an easy thing to for in your 20s. I, I punished myself tremendously. And being looked and said, I'm fine, you know, cool. You know, and I and I played hard and 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 I still kind of do, but but with the great more deal um thought going going into it now. Um I'm I'm I became I did this Thailand bike ride a few years ago to raise money for this Thai charity. And I'm and we went to Thailand and we did 500 kilometers in five days. And I was fat and unfit at the time. And I, and, and I joined this business association called Business Blueprint here in Australia, a fantastic organization. And anyone, if anyone's in Australia watching this, I thoroughly recommend it. I learned so much, still do, surround myself with business mentors, people who are a lot smarter than I am, who have helped me tremendously in, in, in what I do. So I said, oh God, and everyone's talking to me, hey, if you're, a, if you're a member of this association now, then you've got to do the bike ride, it's so cool. And I'm like, uh, what, what do I have to do? You know, and they talked me into it and I thought, look at myself in the mirror, a big fat neck, and I'm, you know, and, and I was like, oh, you know, so I suppose so, because I always was quite sporty when I was younger, 
And um, I thought, well, maybe I should, you know. Yeah, all right. So I got fit. Hated every minute of it getting fit again, but I got fit again. And, you know, started running bikes, started running again, lost lost, lost weights, got really fit. And I've forgotten how good it feels to be fit, kind of like a drug. And I decided I want to keep it. And so for five years now, I run twice a week and um, really watch my intake of, of everything. And I still feel like I'm 24 years old. It's ridiculous. Um, and um, those of you wanting my age is I'm considerably older than 24. <laughs> uh, there's, there's gray hairs there for a reason. Um, and, uh, uh, and so that's one of the best things of doing is no matter what's going on, for goodness sake, treat your body like a temple. It's, it's got to be looked after because I still want to be running up the stairs rather than the escalator at 75 years of age if I can. That's that's because I want to enjoy it all. I want to enjoy it all. Whatever's going on, I, I still want to be around to enjoy it. There's so many people I see in business in there, this, this the executive levels who would look dreadfully old, who look clearly, you know, they look in their face, they, they just have far too much alcohol or that excessiveness in their lives. You know, by the time they're retiring, they're just a walking bunch of misery. And, and you can't do that. You know, not if you're going to enjoy the last years of your life, that you've got to look after yourself, you know, earlier on and, and keep looking after yourself. I hate exercising, but I do it because I know it. I just get this extra thing from it. You know, so um, that's a technology looking after yourself. And third one, education. There's about five ones I mentioned in the book, but these are my top three. Education. You'll never, you must never stop learning. It, and that's probably part of the education thing as well. But not, not just in the technology side. Keep on learning about people skills. Keep on learning about um, uh, how you take people with you on your journey. Because that's not... They're, they're your employees. They've got their own world. And some of them might want to go on their own journeys, entrepreneurial journeys, and you've got to let them go and wish them well. Um, but if they're with you and they're employees of yours, you want them to turn up to work going, right, let's go. What have we got this week, Daz? You know, what have we got? And 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 you want them to be excited and, and incentivized. So you can go to sleep at night going, systems are all in place. People are doing the right thing. You're still going to have heaps of fires are going to come up out of nowhere that you're going to have to put out. But if you can work on the people skills and bring your staff through with you and, and keep so keep on learning about human nature, keep on learning about um, technology, keep on learning about the, your industry itself um, and keep on talking to people. Hey, how are you doing this? I saw this, saw this you're doing the other day. How's it going? Um, don't be, be frightened to, to, ask, to um, ask your competition questions you know um uh, ask people who who um your clients hey why why are you, what do you think about my product at the moment is this something we could do better there what do you think keep on asking questions keep on this is my major one it's my major one curiosity keep being curious oh my god I, i'm i'm finding um with my own daughters and their generation this whole new generation a massive lack of curiosity in the world it's all there if they want it. And a lot of them go, no, nah, I don't want it. I just want my own little life, just this PC thing. I don't need this. I just need my micro world, happy with that. I couldn't give a stuff about it. Don't watch the news. It's all depressing, all that kind of stuff. And so they actually know very little about the what's going on in the world. The, uh, the, the, the kids, I, I spend a lot of time with children because I'm also, one thing I didn't mention is I, I became a school teacher when I first left school before I got into the musicals. I did it because I was in, from an academic family, education family, and I thought I'll do it to keep them happy. And I loved it. I loved 
being a, become a school teacher, I didn't teach in the classroom for 25 years after the day I, I um, qualified. COVID, all of a sudden I'm sitting at home going, okay, the whole industry is completely stuffed. I could sit at home, do nothing, but I might check out going into school and teaching again. What the hell? And I've actually spent the last two years teaching up the road at a primary school and, and, and in another suburb. And I've loved every minute of it. The only thing I've been shocked by is the is the kids, because um, I teach sort of K, what you guys call K to six, I think, sort of five-year-olds to 12-year-olds. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, coming of the school system in the, in the States, but um, how, how incredibly uncurious they are about the world. I mean, I, I must admit, we're in high socioeconomic region here, the suburbs I, I am. And so therefore, they are, most of them, not all of them, a lot of them are kids of, of very successful families. Um, uh, um, and, and they've got everything they want, but the kids themselves are quite uncurious about life. They have their own, own little thing, their own little back neighbourhood, whatever, and the friends. And you ask them who the prime minister and the president of these other countries, I knew them at their age. I was fascinatingly interested in world politics and who were the leaders of countries and what kind of political organizations they were. I was a weird kid. I know, I know, but, but I was curious and I wanted to know who the next band was and who's the lead singer of the band. And I wanted to know or, or who was winning the awards around the world. And I would watch all the Grammys and the Oscars. And, and I would, I, I was in, I was watching entertainment tonight, you know, um, and all those sorts of programs. Cause I wanted to see what's going on around the rest of the world. Um, uh, and I just massive bit of curiosity. So please, curious curiosity, take an interest in what's going on out there because the big trends and coming through in the world are things that you can embrace and bring to what you offer. And of course, I have to I have to keep my mind very much on what is trending in pop culture. I have to know exactly what people are, what where their eyeballs are, what what make what where do they when my clients open what what do they open every morning? What are they looking at? Well, they're on their phone. This is what they're on all the time. So I have to go, well, then I, I need ads that are going to appear on the phones. I need um, to come up with um, a website that it works well on a mobile phone. Because my, my clients are 20, 30-year-old young women, mostly, who are uh, event planners, event producers. And they're a hard, hard, hard nut, nut to crack. You know, they're, they're of that generation, very different to my generation, where they couldn't give a stuff how successful you were 10, 20 years ago. Um, they don't, and they don't, they've never been to the opera or the musical theatre, so why should they employ your act for their clients? And you have to sit down and tell them, well, hang on, your clients are 50, 60, 70-year-olds. This is exactly what they want to see. They don't want to hear the doof, 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 doof at their, at their um, big awards night. You know, they're going to want something a bit, they maybe want that at the end of the night, but during the night, they're going to want something a bit more sophisticated, a little bit more, you know, oh, do they? Oh, kind of thing. <laughs> so I've got, I've got to deal with all that. Um, uh, so curiosity is so important um, for yourself to what, what is out there? How can I apply that to my own business, to making sure that the products and services that I'm supplying um, are being put across to the public in a way that that, that relates to them? Um, is there something I can learn from the, the, the behavior that we're all showing as consumers? It's different now than it was five years ago, different from five years before that. So if you keep on doing the same thing all the time, you're going to come across, you're going to be surprised by how it's not working. And, and, and it's because you haven't kept up with being curious to how people 
are, are viewing um, um, marketing, how they're viewing advertising, how they're taking it in, what decisions they're making as a result of the images and the messages that they're getting from people like yourself. So curiosity, health, embracing technology. That's I love that. Advice. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I think it's, it's important. It's, um, those are those are three very crucial components of a successful human being. So, um, uh, you know, I think we should all take that to heart. And uh, to that point, I mean, I think we're coming up on about an hour, but we've we've learned a lot from you, from your from your story, from the success that you found, uh, not only in Australia, but in the UK and the US, the battles that you faced, the challenges that you've overcome using adversity as your advantage. Uh, and I think that out of every struggle, of course, there, there is strength. That's the name of the podcast. But um, the people who have been through it and e even more so just not turn their back when they're faced with it, kind of like you have here, uh, they turn out to be very successful and, and we can learn a lot from them. So I appreciate you sharing this all with Thanks, us. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks Absolutely. for listening. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So thank you. Thank you to everybody for, for tuning in. Thank you to Daryl for coming on and sharing your story. We will see you all next week.